you're able to remain standing, please do so. Take your copies of God's Word and turn with me tonight to John chapter 17. John 17, we'll begin at verse 1 and read tonight through verse 5. Hear now the word of God. It is infallible. It is inerrant. It is God speaking to us. So let us pay close attention. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son. The Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you. Before the world existed. The grass withers. And the flower fades away. But the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday evening we were in chapter 16. And looked at verses 16 through 33. Of John's gospel. And we looked at joy after sorrow. We saw how the disciples sorrow of them. Losing the Lord, of Him going away from them, would be turned to joy. And that would be done in three ways. First, the disciples' sorrow would be turned to joy because of the resurrection. The second, the disciples' sorrow would be turned to joy because of prayer. And the third thing we saw last week was that the disciples' sorrow would be turned to joy because Christ has overcome the world. And tonight we come and we begin to examine what has been called the high priestly prayer of Jesus. Tonight we have spoken of what we are thankful for. And one thing that we should be thankful for tonight is this, that Jesus is our great high priest. That we can go to him at any time, that you do not have to go to an earthly priest who is fallible and sinful, but you can go to the great high priest at any time with your prayers. And Jesus is constantly praying for his people. And we see that tonight. We see in this prayer Jesus as our high priest acting on behalf of His people. And what a a prayer it is. Martin Luther said this concerning this prayer. This is truly beyond measure a warm, warm and hearty prayer. He opens the depths of his heart both in reference to us and to his father. And he pours them all out. It sounds so honest, so simple. It is so deep, so rich, so wide. No one can fathom it. Melanchthon spoke of the prayer in this way. There is no voice which has ever been heard either in heaven or in earth more exalted, more holy, more fruitful, more sublime 
than the prayer offered up by the Son of God Himself. And so throughout this prayer, we see Jesus as our great High Priest. Now how does Christ execute the office of of a priest? He executes the office of a priest in His once offering up of Himself a sacrifice to satisfy divine justice and reconcile us to God and in making continual intercession for us. And so tonight we begin examining, it is here that we are allowed into the holiest of all, the secret place of the tabernacle of God. It is in this prayer that we see a model of how Jesus intercedes for His people. It is in this prayer that we see the the, the, the meditorial aspect of Christ. It is in this prayer that we see the affection of Christ for His church. And as we begin examining this prayer, we see this evening Christ praying that His Father will be glorified through Him. And so there are three things I want us to notice tonight from our text. And the, and the first is the intimacy of Christ's prayer. In verse 1, when Jesus had spoken these words, He lifted up His eyes to heaven. And said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Notice the first thing that Christ says. It is Father. Once again, we are faced with the the fact that there is a oneness and intimacy between the persons of the triune God. Christ knows that He is one with His Father. And He addresses Him in that type of... Of oneness. The Son knows His Father. The Son loves His Father. The Son can count on His Father's love for Him. And so with that one word, Father, two things are expressed by Christ praying. The first is relationship. Jesus Christ is the second person of the Trinity. He is the Son of God. We have seen this throughout John's Gospel. Again, one of the purposes of John writing his Gospel is to show us clearly the fact that Jesus is divine, that He is the second person of the Trinity, that He is the Son of God come in the flesh. And Jesus made this claim over and over and over again. Again, there are seven I Am statements In John's gospel. And each time that Jesus made one of those. What was he saying? He was saying this. I am God. I am Jehovah. I'm Yahweh. By the way that is why many times that the Jews wanted to stone him. And that is one of the main reasons they would put him to death. Shortly after this prayer. Arthur Pink put it. This way is what our, our Lord was saying here. O oh, thou with whom I have existed in unity of essence, perfection and enjoyment from before the creation of the world, and by whose will and operation I have been clothed miraculously with human nature and constituted the head of all appointed unto salvation, I now come to thy throne of grace. 
As Jesus prays, we know that he has a relationship with God the Father. But then the, the second thing that is expressed is affection. God the Son addressing his Father in this way expresses love and veneration, confidence and submission. Who, who should a, a son trust if not his Father? An earthly son should be able to trust his father before anyone else. Here, Jesus is trusting his father before anyone else because his time has come. And so God the Son, he humbly bows before God the Father and he trusts in him in his most trying time. And so that's the first thing. We see intimacy. But then the second thing is this. We have the focus of Christ's prayer also in verse 1. Listen again to what Jesus says at the beginning of this prayer. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Now the focus of Christ's prayer was not that God would free him from the burden he was feeling and he was under the burden of our sins being placed upon him. Christ did not pray that God would free him from his infinite obligation. And what was that infinite obligation? To redeem a people to himself, to redeem God's people. Again, we, we know that to be the case that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they entered into a covenant before all of creation to, to affect and to bring about the redemption of God's people. Jesus here did not pray that God would choose another way to redeem His people. The focus of Christ's prayer is simply this, glorify your Son, that your son may also glorify you. And so what is Jesus praying for? He is praying that the glory of God would be magnified through him. His main concern was not himself, but that his father would be glorified with all that was about to take place. And where would that happen? It would happen at the cross. Jesus says the hour has come. Again, throughout this gospel, John tells us that the hour of Christ had not yet come. We read of that in several different places, but now the hour of Christ going to the cross has come. Jesus recognizes that fully and, and he prays that as this hour has come upon him, the hour, the the time for him to go to the cross and die for the sins of his people, that the Father would be glorified and his people would be redeemed. Again, this was the reason why Christ came to earth. He came simply to die for the sins of his people. And then the rest of this prayer, the third thing that we learn tonight and see tonight is the manner by which God the Father would glorify the Son. 
Verse 2, he says, Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. God the Father glorifies the Son, has done so by giving the Son all authority. That means that the Father has already put all things under the, the hand of Christ. He has all authority, he has authority over all flesh. First of all, Jesus has authority over all men as creator. We, we know that to be the case. The, the word, the logos, Christ himself is creator with the Father and the Spirit. And so as creator, he has authority over all of his creation. Over everything that we see in this creation, Jesus has authority over. Over every man and woman and child that we see, Jesus has authority over. And that's the problem, isn't it? That man does not recognize Jesus as creator and they do not recognize his authority. You know, we go back to the Garden of Eden and that is what our first parents did. They bought into the lie of Satan and, and they, they took of that fruit and they ate and their eyes were open in that moment they, they knew what sin was. They knew what life was before that. But they knew what sin was. And they, they no longer recognized the authority of God and of Christ. But notice as well, Jesus has authority over all whom his Father has given to him. <coughs> notice he is to give eternal life to all whom the Father has given now, this authority did not start here. As a second person of the Trinity, Jesus has always existed in that form. He did not have the name Jesus, but he is, he is the second person of the Trinity. And so he has always had authority. But now as he prays, he recognizes even as he is fully man and fully God, that all things has, have been given to him. And then there's another way that God the Father has glorified His Son, and that is the fact that Jesus is the only way to God. In verse 3, Jesus says, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. To have eternal life, what are we to know? We are to know, first of all, there's only one God. There's only one true God, and that is the God of the, the Holy Scriptures, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There are not many gods. We are not polytheists. Now, people worship many things, and they call those things gods, but, but there is only one true God, and Jesus makes that plain here tonight, and this is eternal life, that we know the only true God. And not only that we know the only true God, but we know Jesus as well. We know Jesus Christ, whom the Father has sent. That is eternal life. That is the message that we are to give to this world. That this fallen world, they are to know the one true God and they are to know Christ. 
And the only way that they can know the one true God is by knowing Jesus. And putting their faith in Him. Again, listen to the words of of Arthur Pink. He says, Christ is here amplifying the, the plea of the previous verse. Unless He is glorified, He cannot bestow eternal life. Without His ascension, the Holy Spirit would not come. And without Christ, there can be no knowledge of the Father and His Son. And so by consequence... No eternal life. For knowing God and eternal life are inseparable. This is the way to, the means of eternal life, namely by the knowledge of God imparted by Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, there is no knowledge of God. So many are deceived tonight in thinking that they do not need Jesus, and that they can have a knowledge of God. There is no knowledge of God apart from Christ. And for such who believe that there is, there is no eternal life. Because they do not know Christ, therefore they do not know God. These things are inseparable, Jesus points out for us tonight. But then the third way that God would glorify His Son is by bringing Him back to His rightful place. In verse 4, Jesus says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Now, where is the rightful place for Christ? Well, where He is at tonight. He is at the right hand of the Father as we gather together. He is praying for us tonight. He is praying for us as our great high priest. He's always praying for us. He never ceases to pray for His people, for those whom He died, as He is at the right hand of the Father. And so the rightful place of Christ is the place where He came from. Heaven. Jesus prays here that God the Father would glorify God the Son by bringing Him and seating Him at His right hand in His ascension. And we know from the book of Acts that that has happened. That 40 days after His resurrection, as He ministered to His disciples After 40 days, he ascended up into heaven and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, why would God the Father glorify God the Son by bringing him back to his rightful place? Well, first of all, because Jesus glorified the Father in word and in deed, in doctrine and in action. He accomplished the work. That the Father gave him to do. That work was one work. Redeem his people. At this moment in time as Jesus prays. He is heading to the cross. There's no turning back from it. There's no turning away. We will see in the next chapter. After this high priestly prayer. That Jesus is betrayed and arrested. He goes and he faces Annas and Caiaphas. He, He is before the high priest. As they question him. And we see him before Pilate. 
And then He is delivered over to be crucified. While Jesus was upon this earth, He glorified His Father. Therefore, the Father will glorify Him. But then Jesus is God, and it is right for Him to share in the glory of the Godhead. As He says in verse 5, And now, Father, glorify Me in Your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. The second person of the Trinity has always existed. Yes, at God's appointed time, He came to this earth. As we read in John chapter 1, He took upon Himself human flesh and He tabernacled among us and He was given the name Jesus, but He has always existed. John Calvin said this, that Jesus now declares that he desires nothing that does not strictly belong to him, but only that he may appear in the flesh such as he was before the creation of the world. Or to speak more plainly, that the divine majesty, which I always possess, may now illustriously be illustriously displayed in the person of the mediator and in the human flesh with which he was And so as Jesus prays that God the Father would be glorified, we know that the glory of Christ is the very glory of God. And so what application can we make here tonight? Well, first of all, we too can approach God in a very intimate manner if we are in Christ. Because we are children of God. If we are in Christ tonight and are children of God, guess what? We can go to our Father in heaven. We can pray to our Father through the mediation of God the Son and with the assistance of God the Holy Spirit. Through Christ, we can approach God in prayer as Jesus Himself approached His Father in prayer. Through Christ, we can go to God in prayer at any time and in any place. And that's something to be thankful for tonight, isn't it? Wherever you're at, you can stop and you can pray to your Father in heaven. Through Christ, we can expect God to hear and answer our prayers. Just as He heard and answered the prayer of His Son. Second, we should follow the example of our Lord here this evening and focus our prayers on the glory of God. Again, that's what Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer. We begin with the adoration of our Father. We begin with praising God. And it's not to the end that we then bring to God our petition. Ultimately, we pray as Jesus prayed. That God would be glorified through what we are praying for. Now, yes, God wants us to bring our personal petitions to Him. He wants us to pour them out, to lay them before them. But ultimately, we pray that God would be glorified 
through what we are asking, through what we are praying for, whatever that is. And ultimately, in everything, God is going to be glorified. In, in everything that He has ordained, God is glorified. Third, we need to see and understand tonight that Jesus has authority over all men. Therefore, all men will one day stand before Him. He has all authority over all men as our Creator. You know, that that is one reason why men deny creation. They deny creation. They come up with a man-made theory as to how we got here. And it's quite remarkable the theory they came up with. And actually it takes more faith to believe their theory than the Bible. But why did they do that? Why did, why, why did Darwin come up with his so-called theory of evolution? Because he was a, a wicked man. An unrighteous man. And he didn't want to answer to God. Ultimately, those who deny God as creator, that is exactly why. They do not want to answer to God. They do not want to think there is a God, that there can be eternal life and eternal punishment. And therefore, they will not recognize God nor Christ as their creator. But one day, they will stand before him. But not only does Jesus have authority over all men as creator, but he has all authority over all men as Lord and King over all. He is Lord over all things and all men. Even those who do not recognize him as Lord. He is King over all. We, we see and continue to see in 2 Kings and we move on to First and 2 Chronicles. Guess what? We'll continue to see and we'll see some good things uh, in there as well. But we will continue to see that there was no king in Israel or Judah that is like Christ. They all fell. And many of them failed in spectacular fashion. But not Jesus. He is that perfect king that God promised and that God sent. And so all men will stand one day before Christ. And the only way that we can stand before him without judgment is to be united to him in this life in faith. Now, how will we be able to stand at that day? Because Jesus is our mediator. He who is our judge is our mediator and our sacrifice. And so therefore, our sins are forgiven. The righteousness of Christ has been imputed to us. Therefore, in that day, we will have Jesus interceding for us. And then finally tonight, there is no other name under heaven on earth but the name of Jesus by which men can be saved. Again, there is no other way of salvation. There are many who are living in darkness tonight. They are blinded to the things of God and they are seeking out a way of salvation any other way other than Jesus. And what are all those other ways of salvation? What are they focused on? Man. 
what man must do to earn his way to heaven. And so many are blind to the fact that they can do nothing to earn their way to heaven. That they, that they are sinners and that there is no work that they can do that is perfect. There is no other way of redemption, no other way of forgiveness except through Jesus. And so have you come to Christ in faith and repentance? We heard earlier tonight that Jesus gives eternal life to all whom the Father has given him. That is, that is amazing, isn't it? If we have eternal life tonight, if we are in Christ, it is because the Father loved us from before the foundation of the world and chose us and gave us to the Son. Now, we did not deserve to be chosen. None of us did. And it was simply out of the love of God the Father that He chose us. Think of all those that He didn't choose. Those who are left in their sin. You see, that is the just thing to do. God could have left all of us in our sin and not chosen any of us, but He chose His people. Why? To glorify Himself, but to glorify His Son. And so if God is calling you tonight to Christ, then what are you to do? You are to come to Christ. You're to turn to Him as you turn from your sin. And you are to know and believe what you have heard tonight, that He has authority over you as your Creator. He has authority over you as Lord and King over all, that you will stand before Him one day, but without Him, you will not stand. You will fall. And so come to Christ in faith. And as you do that, as you turn from your sins this evening, you will find the glory of the Father. And you will find that the glory of the Father is through the glory of the Son. May God add His blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let us pray. Father, we thank You tonight for Your Word. No, God, we thank You that You have glorified Your Son. And that You continue to do so as He is in heaven. And one day, You will do so publicly when He comes in glory. Lord, we thank You that for those of us who have salvation, that is because of You, not because of us. We thank You that You chose us to know Christ and that You sent Christ. To die for our sins. And Lord, we come celebrating that fact tonight as we come to the Lord's Supper. But Lord, if there are any here tonight that does not know of that salvation that is found in Christ, I pray that even now, your Holy Spirit will be at work in them. Show them their sin and their need of Jesus and glorify your Son tonight by saving those whom you have given to Him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.